This is And Another Thing with your hosts, Jody Jenkins and Tony Clement. You want to start, Tony? Okay, sure. This is big for you. I know. This is going to be a big moment. Are you nervous? No, I'm good. I'm okay, good. then I'm throwing it over to you, our producer. And in three, two, one. Welcome to And Another Thing podcast. I'm Tony Clement. Oh, you do that quite well. Thank I'm Jody you. Jenkins. And hey. here we are. <laughs> Okay, that was not the best intro, but I'll keep working. It was on good it. for you. Yeah. It definitely wasn't one of my best. But. We are uh, here for another edition of And Another Thing podcast, and our special guest is a Canadian senator, Senator Leo Husakos. Welcome, Leo, to the program. Thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. It's great. You're in Montreal right now? I am, knee deep in snow and cold weather. Uh, uh, just another day in Montreal. Well, uh, we love the winter weather, and uh, maybe that'll uh, make sure that the Habs are doing better than their performance recently. They got nowhere to go but up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Senator Husakos has been very much involved with uh, some items uh, of public policy and politics that are very important to our country, our national security, uh, and uh, our future uh, direction in terms of foreign affairs. So I want to get right to it. You've been out there talking about uh, China, uh, Huawei, which is uh, the Chinese company that is involved in uh, telecom and telecom equipment, and uh, you've raised some concerns. Tell us what your concerns are about China these days. Well, look, uh, the bottom line is China is an economic force, but we seem to forget from time to time that it's a totalitarian state. It's a country that doesn't believe in democracy, doesn't believe in freedom. Uh, they have decade after decade uh, developed a horrible record when it comes to uh, protection of human rights and the rule of law. Uh, and it has become evidently clear that many Western countries, and Canada being no exception, continues to turn a blind eye to some of the egregious behavior that the Chinese regime continues to carry out in regards to uh, lack of religious freedom, lack of freedom in general. We've seen how uh, brutal they have been in pushing back pro-democracy demonstrators in Hong Kong. Um, as, you know, There was a hope in Hong Kong that they would be able to coexist uh, within the structure of the Chinese regime, but allowing them to maintain their freedoms and their democracy and their free enterprise market. And it's becoming evidently clear that China continues to believe there's one China regime strategy and that they're not flexible in any shape, way, or form. We all know, of course, uh, what has happened more than a year ago. The Chinese authorities detained Michael Culver, Kovrig and Michael Spavor, uh, illegally, no due process. Those no are two, two Canadians. Yeah, right. Uh, two Canadians that have been detained, and nothing more than political retribution for Canada detaining uh, the CFO of Huawei uh, in, a, in a criminal case where she's been charged by the United States. And Canada, of course, is just fulfilling our legal obligations in respecting an extradition treaty with uh, our ally and our partner and a great democracy to the south. And another uh, country that's, that does follow the rule of law. So um, the Chinese, of course, uh, just pure political retribution, detain these two Canadians. They're holding them hostage. Uh, they are torturing them for all intents and purposes. Uh, this is unacceptable behavior. Uh, we've had a parliamentarian just a couple of years ago who was traveling to China from British Columbia, a member of the provincial legislature, whose cell phone was detained for 10 hours for no just cause. Um, and he was detained for no just cause. 
uh, after bringing up his concerns to Foreign Affairs and Global Affairs Canada and, and directly to the Prime Minister's office back in 2016. Four years later, he still hasn't heard anything back from our government. Um, so I believe the Canadian government, led by Mr. Trudeau and the Liberal uh, establishment of Jean Chrétien and John Manley, continue to kowtow to China. They continue to you know, turn a blind eye to the egregious behavior of that brutal regime all in, in pursuit of some commercial benefit. Uh, and I think we as Canadians have to be very cognizant and very careful that when we put up for sale our values and principles, which is the foundation upon which our country has been built, um, it, it, it's, uh, it, it really is, uh, is dangerous. I think it's wrong. And I think Canadians should know that our government continues to engage uh, for commercial benefit uh, at the expense of our fundamental values with the Chinese. So, so how do we rebalance this? I mean, you uh, you in particular have been advocating the application of what are called Magnitsky sanctions. Why don't you talk a little bit about what that would entail? The Magnitsky Act, which, uh, of course, you know very well, Tony, you were a member of Parliament when it was passed back in 2015. I think I was a sponsor it, of it at one point, too. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, it, it would hold countries like China accountable in their regime for uh, egregious behavior, for violations of human rights, for violation of the rule of law. Uh, it, would, uh, it gives the tools, the legislative tools to our government uh, to, to basically hold those who carry on this behavior responsible. We've, uh, the Canadian government has utilized the Magnitsky Act against a number of nations in the past, um, and I think it would be appropriate that they do the same right now, particularly given uh, the behavior of China towards the pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. Furthermore, there's, uh, there's also been solid reports coming out of China by, by international organizations about uh, concentration camps of, uh, of Muslim uh, minorities uh, being held in China. Uh, right now there's a reports of two million people being held in what the Chinese call uh, reform centers. Uh, but it, for all intents and purposes, these are concentration camps, which are basically uh, laying the law and telling Chinese citizens that they don't have the right to practice their religion, be it Muslims. We've seen also recently in China how they've clamped down on the black market of Christians, not allowing for Christmas trees and other symbols of, of, uh, of the Christmas holidays to be uh, publicly displayed in China. Uh, so th these are just the continuous behavior of, uh, of, an er uh, of a regime that doesn't respect uh, freedom of expression, doesn't respect uh, freedom of religion. China is notorious for not respecting freedom of the press. Uh, North American and Western journalists who've gone to China, uh, we have countless number of examples, get detained, detained illegally. Uh, Senator Munson, who used to be a journalist himself uh, once upon a time, uh, had mentioned to me on a couple of occasions when uh, he was detained illegally and probably was the scariest moments of his life uh, while being in China. So, I mean, these are all types of behaviors that we will never accept. These are the type of actions that Canadians find deplorable. Uh, let's not forget Canadians have fought and, and spilt blood in defense of freedom and, and liberty and the rule of law. And, uh, over a, a number of wars. So I, I think for the Canadian government right now to, to, to acquiesce and to appease China consistently, I mean, after they detained more than a year ago Canadian citizens, 
the Canadian government goes forward and spends billions of dollars and invests in the Asia Infrastructure Bank, which we all know is a, is a front managed by the Chinese authorities. Uh, and that doesn't seem to have a that appeasement hasn't seemed to bring any resolve to the to the conflict. And Mr. Spavor and Mr. Kovrig are still in prison. Um, right. And of course, the Chinese go forward and they carry out in economic embargoes on our canola, on our pork, and at the end of the day, uh, our Canadian government again acquiesces and kowtows and and tolerates this behavior. Uh, I think it's time for the Canadian government to stand up to implement the Magnitsky Act. I think we need to go further, uh, and I think we need to also show Huawei the door. I think we need to show the Chinese Bank of Canada the door, and I think the Canadian government should take a hard line and show that we uh, we are not going to be pushed around. So I've gone on quite quite a bit. I'm quite passionate about this issue, uh, and I think Canadians have to sort of uh, understand there's a lot more to Canada-China relations than just these flashy, nice trade missions we, we uh, exchange back and forth and conduct these photo ops. But there's a lot more to China than meets the eye. Speaking with Canadian Senator Leo Housakos, thank you for being on our program. want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Iran, of course, uh, the, uh, the situation there uh, recently with the, uh, the takedown. Uh, well, first of all, the occupation of the uh, U.S. Embassy in Iraq, uh, by uh, Iranian-based uh, proxies, and then the takedown of uh, General Soleimani by uh, President Trump, and then subsequently, of course, the uh, the missile takedown of uh, Flight 752 over Tehran. Uh, your thoughts on where Canada is standing on this? Well, there was a government once upon a time that had a principled foreign policy. We had taken a hard, uh, a hard line when it came to Iran. Uh, all of us know and recognize that Iran is the world's largest promoter and supporter of terrorist activities, uh, of, of supporter of Islamic fundamentalism. Uh, they are the biggest advocate for the destruction of the one democratic uh, and free state in the Middle East, uh, a strong ally of Canada, Israel. Uh, and we had the former Harper government, uh, Mr. Clement, that you were a very instrumental member of that, that didn't tolerate any of that uh, behavior on the part of Iran. We, you expressed uh, our, our disregard and our, our uh, lack of, of support and, uh, for this type of uh, regime in the Middle East. Uh, and now we've had a government, Mr. Trudeau. We know in the early days of the Trudeau government, they had uh, shown... Uh, an openness to dialogue, a number of occasions when I would uh, sh bring up a question in the Senate of Canada to the government leader in the Senate, the, the Trudeau government leader, um, he would stand on his feet and talk about how they're taking a different approach to Iran and one of dialogue, and clearly that hasn't helped. If anything, it has emboldened Iran to continue to support uh, Hamas and other terrorist regimes uh, in, in, in the Middle East. So. Um, I think, again, I don't understand why the Trudeau government has this propensity to, to be tolerant and to appease dictatorships and regimes of this nature. It's, it's, it makes one scratch his head. What, what do you make of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's response to the airline tragedy? Look, it's completely uh, abominable to think that uh, we have a prime minister that has taken a harder line towards the United States of America, our strongest ally, uh, one of the great democracies in the world, uh, and c continues to side 
with uh, extremists and Islamic extremists and, and, and a country that is the, the poster child for, for supporting uh, terrorist organizations in the Middle East and around the world. And yet, clearly, if you look at the statement of global affairs and that of the prime minister after that, the fact that he somehow blames, uh, gives the insinuation that somehow it's the Trump administration's fault for the downing of that plane is just stunning to me. Yeah, I, I, I have a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, uh, you know, I think uh, Trudeau was right to be emotive about how Canadians felt about all those young uh, Iranian Canadians and Iranians who, who died, they were at the start of their lives. So they were newlyweds, they were students. And so there was a, a tremendous outpouring of grief, and he was able to channel that. Uh, but he also had these talking points about how uh, the, the recent escalation has to be de-escalated. But uh, you know as well as I do, Senator, that uh, Iran has been escalating for months and months. Uh, they've been attacking ships in the Straits of Hormuz. They've been using proxies to, uh, to uh, de-stabilize Yemen. They've attacked Saudi oil fields. These are all things. And then, then of course, the proximate cause was the, uh, the takeover of the U.S. Embassy, which is a very da- dangerous situation in Baghdad. So, so to talk about recent es- escalation is a bit of a misnomer because, of course, Iran has been acting uh, outside the normal field of uh, nation-state activity uh, for a long time now. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and the facts are the facts. That has been the case now for, for decades. Uh, we've seen, uh, if anything, the West and the United States uh, has been uh, quite flexible in dealing with Iran. Uh, and I think this was probably the first time in a long time that the West has sent a message to Iran that their, uh, their behavior is not going to be tolerated any longer. Uh, I, still, I also want to point out, again, just on the premise of the, that the, the fact that the Trudeau government professes to be a defender of human rights, but yet they continue to go soft on a, regi- a regime like Iran that, again, has no tolerance for freedom of religion, has no tolerance for freedom of expression, it's a state that we know has probably the largest number of political executions on a weekly basis in the world. Um, and furthermore, this is a state that has no respect for gays, for, for LGBT, LBGT communities. Uh, and yet Mr. Trudeau, who champions supposedly all these freedoms in our country, uh, takes a very soft stance when it comes to dealing with countries like Iran and countries like China. And it's always been perplexing why the double standard, why his rhetoric and pontificating about defending gays and lesbians in Canada, about freedom of the press, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. But yet when it's time to stand up to, to Iran and to China, two of the most brutal re- regimes when it comes to human rights, you have to, you know, he, he's always crafty in his comments and always seems to be tiptoeing around uh, the the elephant in the room. Hey, uh, I, I, just to ch- uh, shift topics here, uh, what's it like being in the Senate these days? Uh, there's been a lot of changes, uh, a lot of Trudeau appointees that were supposed to be non-aligned. Is that the reality on the Senate floor these days? Look, Justin Trudeau, with all the pontificating that he does, he, he talks a very good game about Senate reform, but of course we all know that in Canada to reform the parliamentary institution of the Senate, you have to open up the Constitution and consult provinces. 
Uh, so he, he's conducted in the last few years what I call fake Senate reform. He talks about making the place less partisan and more independent. So he's created these, these organizations, these vetting committees uh, of individuals who, according to, to today's PMO, they, they create a list of independent senators who are not partisan. But yet if you look at most of the people that are sitting on these vetting committees, most of them are affiliated or associated in some way to the Liberal Party of Canada or, more importantly, to the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation. Uh, and they've created a Senate chamber right now of independent senators. They don't call themselves liberals anymore. One caucus group calls themselves progressives. Another caucus group calls themselves independent Senate group. Uh, and, of course, these are all the, the words that Justin Trudeau uses on his political campaign stump, right, of course. Uh, and the reality is 96% of the time they're voting in favor of Mr. Trudeau's legislation. So, so, you, so Jody's applicant. Jody Jenkins, uh, my co-host, his application to Trudeau to be on the Senate floor, it's yes. not a, got a good chance, eh? Good luck. Good luck with that one. <laughs> well, if there's, any, if there's anything you can do, let me know. I mean, there's one thing you can do is if, you, if you're allowed to doctor your CV and just eliminate some of the conservative credentials that you might have. Consider it uh, done. Then, then, you know, in that case, otherwise it just doesn't work. So it's, a, it's an exercise in hypocrisy like we've never seen before. Uh, like I said, if you look at senators who have been appointed by liberal prime ministers, they vote for liberal legislation. And if you look at senators that have been appointed by conservative prime ministers, they vote and articulate principles and values of conservatives. Uh, and I think to say, I think it's also really deplorable that a prime minister of Canada in a parliamentary institution is telling Canadians that you should not be transparent and clear about your political affiliations. If you think about it, it's really, really abhorrent. It, the biggest challenge we face in public discourse today is the apathy of Canadians and the lack of participation, political participation, in our process and our political parties. It's yeah. the biggest challenge we face with especially our young people. True. And you have a prime minister telling Canadians, well, it's a terrible thing for you to affiliate yourself and to be publicly transparent about having a political view. Hey, I got to ask, uh, you're, a, you're a Quebecer, a uh, proud Quebecer, obviously, uh, as well as being a senator. We've had this uh, kerfuffle or brouhaha about uh, uh, Prince Harry and uh, Meghan Markle coming over to Canada and uh, uh, leaving their uh, status as senior royals and uh, setting up shop uh, somewhere here in Canada. What, what, what are your thoughts? What are you hearing on the streets of Montreal about all this? Well, to be honest with you, it's it's not much of an issue in Quebec. Quebecers are a little bit tone deaf when it comes to the royal family. That is the truth. I am one of the exceptions. I'm actually a, a fond supporter of our Westminster parliamentary system. I am, uh, even though I'm not of French or English extraction, I'm of Greek origin. I'm very proud of the two founding people of our of our of our great country. And the royal family has a role, and they are, uh, they are our royals as well. Having said that, I, on a personal basis, I take a little bit of exception with this royal couple and their, uh, their, their desire to sort of, you know, you're born into it, you're sort of obligated to do a job. They're, it comes with great privilege. So now all of a sudden you're sort of saying to yourself, you know, they're, they're taking full advantage of the privilege they have, but yet they want to be like every other ordinary Canadian when they're not. Uh, yeah. In terms of who's fitting the bill for their security here, 
It's a problem. Uh, I'm of the view that uh, we have an obligation. They, are, like I said, they they are royal. You know, they're royals by birth. Uh, the other one is royal by marriage. Uh, they are protected individuals uh, by international law. Uh, there are royal family, so there there is a cost associated with protecting them. So I know I'm one of the minority views in Quebec. But I, I feel we have an obligation to provide at least a, a, a minimal security uh, detail hmm. to them. Interesting. Um, yeah. So I know it's not the popular view, but that's the view I have. Is, are you related to Prince Philip at all? Because he's Greek, right? <laughs> I am not. Maybe you are, Tony. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Senator, Senator, quick yeah. question. I know that a leadership race has been initiated uh, within the Conservative Party. And the last I heard thing, that. yeah, the last I thing, hear that. the last thing we want to do is put you on the spot. Um, who will you be endorsing? Uh, well, you just put me on the spot. <laughs> and, That's the and, irony. Uh, I, uh, I, I have to say that right now I am, uh, I am looking at all my options. Uh, oh wow! One of, well the criteri- one of the criteria that I have is that the candidate has to be uh, able to communicate in both official languages. Oh, well, that uh, that throws out some of them. Hey, actually, <laughs> it, it but does. that's that's kind of vague, though. Do they have to be able to communicate well? They have to be uh, very agile in the French language. Uh, through the years, as I get older, I've I've come to the realization uh, that we, you know, I've compromised on that in the past. Now it's become uh, crystal clear that it's priority number one. Uh, it, you cannot win a national majority government unless you're able to perform uh, on all, uh, in all corners of the country. And there's 28% of the Canadian public that are francophones. And it's unfortunate, but the reality is there's a duality in Canada that has really grown through the years where the vast majority of francophones, particularly in Quebec, are unilingual. And, and English Canada is becoming more and more unilingual. Uh, so the divide has become, uh, for, for societal, for demographic reasons and evolutionary reasons, that divide is becoming very, very evident. Mm. So to have a national leader of a national party uh, who is not fully bilingual, to be really able to, to articulate the conservative ideas and values really well in both languages, Je voudrais remercier, je voudrais remercier monsieur, euh, Sénat, monsieur le sénateur Leo Usakos pour votre Merci parole. Merci beaucoup, je suis très apprécié, <laughs> puis un grand plaisir d'être avec vous. So, based on that display from Tony, he would not be one of your choices, <laughs> is what you're telling me. Well, let me tell you, I've, I, I've uh, always been uh, in the past when Mr. Clement, uh, Mr. Clement. You know, <laughs> toyed around with the idea of running, I was quite open to, to his candidacy because I think if you let Mr. Clement speak a little bit longer and more, you'll be impressed with his franchise. Qu'est-ce que tu fais, you know? Où est le parapluie de ma tante? Dans le bibliothèque, you know. Tony, if you change your mind and you announce your candidacy today, there's still time. Oh, good. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, but no thanks. Senator Leo Husagas, uh, our guest, uh, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, Leo. And uh, we look forward to connecting in the future. You're welcome anytime. Thank you, guys. It'd be my pleasure. Thank okay. you so much for having me. Bonne journée. Merci. That was like uh, being in on a caucus meeting with you guys. 
you know, he uh, he's uh, a man of uh, the people. <laughs> yeah, no, but he's he's got some he's got some stated opinions. Uh, Leo Husakos uh, is not a shrinking violet, that's for sure. I'm gonna go out on a limb here. I I I, I feel like he shies away from being partisan, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, uh, but you know that's his point of view that uh, oh, yeah. this, you know when you hide your partisanship that's mm-hmm. actually not good for democracy and uh, his point being that uh, the way the Senate is configured now uh, you know we, we've appointed nonpartisans and it's better well really people are still voting they're voting up or down on bills yeah that hasn't changed so uh, he uh, he wears it on his sleeve there you go Spotify iTunes Google Play iHeartRadio, podcast anywhere, subscribe, download Please do. it. Yeah, we uh, love having you as subscribers, and we love your feedback and your commentary. Once we get to our 1,000th subscriber, we're going to send out a shirt, a we, special shirt. A special babe. t-shirt. We'll yeah, we have a little t-shirt. bit of time, I'm guessing. Unless it just, the floodgates open. And I mean, we'll we're close, to, but. We'll have to do a screen of a t-shirt immediately. <laughs> That'll be good. Actually, we should have, you know what we should have is me and you, a picture of me, a characterized picture, a cartoony, cartoony. Picture of you and me with Senator Husakas and his arms around us, and and Bonhomme, yeah. you know Bonhomme, um, Bonhomme, from, yeah, from the yeah. French festival, the Car- 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 yeah, Carnival de Quebec. Yeah, so yeah. anyway, I just spitballing. <laughs> okay, we come up with great ideas. I'm sure, we wouldn't be sued for that. <laughs> All right, enjoy the rest of your week. Follow and another thing on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. What you want?